Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, August the 31st. Last day of August. This year is coming down, uh, coming down fast. Uh, you know, doesn't it seem like just yesterday that we were doing conventions and having another election? Time does fly, doesn't it? Time really does does fly. It'll be September 1st tomorrow. And then what happens in September? I don't know, but I'm going to make a prediction that I believe September is not a is not going to be a good month for uh, for President uh, Biden. I I think the the, the story with Hunter is going to start taking on some real force in uh, in September. We'll certainly keep an eye on that uh, on that story. You know, if you've been watching the news lately, you've seen a lot more of these battles between, let's say, citizens and criminals. Uh, people walk into a store and they try to steal. And they get into a fight uh, with the owner of the store. We saw that, I believe, in in New York, where somebody broke into a bodega and a couple of guys went after him and beat him up pretty badly. And we've seen it uh, in other places. I mean, ideally, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing because you don't want that kind of situation in your society. But when you live in these communities where the poor police, their hands are tied, they can't do anything, they arrest somebody on Monday, on Wednesday, that person is back in the streets because of these ridiculous uh, district attorneys, then I think you can expect citizens to do more of this. I think you can expect citizens uh, to protect themselves more, and they will. Again, it's not the best situation, uh, the best situation in the world, but it is. It is uh, what happens when law and order breaks down. I have a post over at the American Thinker Thursday morning about the border where I, I guess I'm, I was trying to be a little funny with the title. I was trying to say, you know, who, who knew that terrorists would try to cross the border? Well, yes, if you have an open border, if you have an, uh, a border without restrictions and you overwhelm the border patrol with all kinds of activities, then yes, you're creating an opportunity for people to come into the country, not only drugs, not only migrants, but more dangerous than that, uh, terrorists. And I saw that they captured some the other day and who knows how many get away. But this is this is what the real failure is. When you have an open border like this, you're inviting a lot of people to try to get through. And some of these people do not have do not have our our best uh, intentions as a country. And this is why you have to have order on the border. You have to have restrictions. You have to follow a certain procedure if you want to come to the United States. But this, you know, come right in, come right in you know, tell me that you want asylum and we'll give you a ticket for, for a future court date. That's a disaster as we're seeing, uh, as we're seeing across uh, the country right now. Speaking of open borders and, and disasters, did you hear that the L.A., Los Angeles City Council, is planning to sue the state of Texas over these buses and these people who are who are going over there or that the governor or that we're sending over there, I should say. What Governor Abbott started doing, of course, is sending buses of migrants to sanctuary cities, L.A. being a sanctuary city. In fact, they recently uh, doubled down on the fact that they were a sanctuary city. So they're sending buses in that direction. They don't like it in Los Angeles, and they don't like it because obviously they don't have the money right now. They don't have the resources. No different, by the way, 
than the situation down in South Texas with uh, cities on, on the border overwhelmed by these people. You know, I was listening to an interview with a police chief down in, in one of the little towns on, on the border, and he was saying that he spent his entire budget in the first three months because of all of the extra work and extra time that his men were doing in the police force. Well, that's what's happening on the south side of, or, or you know, in on the southern side of Texas, they're on the border also probably in Arizona. You don't hear as much about Arizona because the governor there is a Democrat who is also another believer in open borders. But the reality is that these people now, the problem is going to many of these cities and they're now facing the economic consequences of all of this. New York City, the same thing. It costs money to bring these people in. You have to give them jobs. You have to take care of them. They have children. Children have to go to school. Where are they going to go? Not only do the children have to go to school, but they don't speak English. So you have to provide extra teachers who speak Spanish. And many of these school districts and many of these school districts are already cash strapped because of the economy in, in the state of New York or the situation in California. So it's, it's, it is what it is. But the truth is the city of L.A. should look at itself in the mirror because they're the ones who made this happen. They're the ones who, uh, you know, instead of threatening Texas to suit, suit Texas, uh, they, they, should be, uh, they should be looking at themselves because they're the ones who invited these people. And now they're going to have to deal. Now they're going to have to deal with it. Speaking of Texas, as you probably know, there is going to be a Senate election in 2024. Uh, as of now, Senator Cruz is running for re-election. He's got two uh, potential opponents. Uh, one is Senator Gutierrez, who's a state senator from Uvalde, the Uvalde area of Texas. Uvalde is the district where they had that terrible shooting at the school. And the other is a Congressman Allred, who is a congressman in Dallas, in the Dallas area, Democrat. And one of these two men will likely be the, the candidate that Senator Cruz is going to be running against. All the odds, of course, are in favor of uh, of uh, of uh, of Senator Cruz. I mean, clearly, clearly, Senator Cruz is going to be the favorite to be reelected. But these two other candidates are pretty good campaigners, particularly uh, Congressman Allred. He's a pretty good campaigner. He's going to be somebody who will go out there and try to present himself as a moderate. And he is very telegenic. He's a former uh, football player. You know, he comes across very well. But, you know, when you look at his voting record, there's nothing really moderate about it. He's voted with Nancy Pelosi almost 99% of the time. So that's what the Cruz campaign has to do, whoever wins this. They're going to have to borrow a page from uh, Governor Abbott's campaign. And that is, you got to, you know, you got to paint your picture here. You got to let the voters know who you're running against. And I think that the Cruz campaign knows that now from the last time they ran against uh, Beto O'Rourke. I think they're better prepared. So we'll keep an eye on this race. As I say, now, we won't know who he's running against until they have the primary. And both men, you know, I think are going to put up a pretty good primary. So we will see. We will see who he runs against. But I think clearly the favorite for re-election at the moment has to be, has to be Senator Cruz. Well, President Biden yesterday uh, or the day before, was somewhere 
and he was talking about, oh, I think it was at a speaking about civil rights, and I think the shooting of these three uh, black uh, citizens down in Florida by this crazy uh, right-wing racist uh, shooter. And they were down there. He was at least speaking down there or speaking at a meeting about this. And then he referred to the time that he persuaded Strong Thurmond to vote for the Civil Rights Act. The problem with that uh, point is that uh, when Strong Thurmond was uh, campaigning against the Civil Rights Act, that was 1964. And Joe Biden didn't get elected to the Senate until 1972. So that's an eight-year eight year difference. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, the White House came back later and said, well, he didn't mean that one. He was talking about another another civil rights bill or something or some other civil rights legislation in the 1980s where uh, he persuaded Strong Thurmond to vote one way or the other. The problem with President Biden is that this is becoming a habit. Every time he goes somewhere, he somehow invents a story. He, you know, uses his Im imagination to promote one story or another. We saw this in Hawaii when he's out there talking to people who've lost uh, their property with like a thousand people missing, a hundred people dead. And instead of just saying, look, I'm sorry what happened to you. I'm here from the federal government to see what we can do to help you, our sympathies with you. We are here to support you 100%. Instead of doing that, he goes off on this story about how he understands what they just went through because he had a fire in his house. Well, the fire in his house, based on press reports, was nothing. It was just a little fire. The firemen came. It was probably more of an insurance claim than anything else. But he does this all the time. And that's why it's becoming more and more difficult to, to believe that this is just a, uh, you know, a guy who's not you know, who's not reading from the teleprompter. I think he has this tendency that everywhere he goes, he has whatever, wherever he goes to, he's got to come up with a story that sort of relates to the people who are there. Now, other politicians have done that. Reagan was fabulous at telling stories, but Reagan was not making up stories. He was telling stories. Often he would relate his own story or very often he would, you know, use uh, some other story or uh, something out of the Bible or out of a book or whatever to relate a story. But Biden keeps putting himself in the middle of the tragedy with things like this. And I think that, you know, the, it's really a sign of a man who's either very dishonest or a man who's lost it. And, you know, I cannot tell you which one it is. Uh, I'm kind of inclined to think that it's more dishonest. But my goodness, what a what a what a storyteller and what a nasty storyteller President uh, Biden has uh, has become. On this day in history, we remember Frank Robinson, the great baseball player. Uh, he came up with the Reds. He ended up his career with the Orioles. He was the National League MVP in 1961 with the Reds, and then in 66 with the Orioles. And as a member of the Orioles, they went to four World Series in six years. Frank, of course, became a manager after after baseball. He's you know he was the first black manager in 1975 when he took over the Indians. Just an absolutely great baseball player, an absolutely great leader on the field. And to tell you the truth, one of, one of my very favorite uh, players from that generation that I used to watch a lot of his, his games. I, I used to love Frank Robinson. He was just a great ball player from uh, that generation of baseball that I grew up uh, watching. 
Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.